theyeshiva.net. So in Sivov, that's the end of page Yudches, Sivov, we learned how when we speak about the descent of the infinite reality, the infinite oneness, it's not just an abstract idea. It's, it's very experiential. Because when you speak about a descent, you know, we, we think of a Yerida in terms of physicality. So somebody's climbing down a ladder, somebody's climbing down a building, somebody's climbing down a mountain. It's a physical Yerida. When you speak about a spiritual Yerida, it means it's a, it's, it's a change of identity. When we speak, I go down, so I was on the top floor, and now I'm on the bottom floor. I was on floor number 68, and now I'm on floor number one. I'm in the lobby. So you, you came down, so your view is different. When you speak about Yerida here, it means... <clears throat> the Eirin Seif is, is completely transformed. Experientially, it's transformed. So how deep is that transformation? So that's what he says. It's so deep that it can even assume the identity of something that is antithetical to its very, its very message, its very truth, its very love. That's how deep the transformation can be. So it's not just a transformation from a place of oneness to a place of separateness within holiness, like Olam Habriya, Olam HaYitzir, Olam HaAsiya still spiritual world. It's not even a descent into a place where it's transformed into a physical experience, a blade of grass, a nervous system, a heartbeat, a brain neuron, right? A cell, a rock, a mountain, a tree, an animal, a, a fish, a dog, a reptile, whatever it is. The transformation could be to the point where the very Eirin Saif, the Yerida, the descent is such that its identity becomes, in the words of Pirate, Leah Eiri, the river is mine. Vaniya Sisini, and I made myself. I'm my creator. Which is the theme of these parshiyas, Shmais, Va'eri, Bai, Bashalach, the, what happens to Pare? The ego that becomes so crazy to the point that it self-destructs in a way that from a god, Pare becomes a, a real shmata. And you have sometimes a situation where this ignorance, person doesn't know. So they may be using you to fight you, but they don't know anything better. They don't know better. Sometimes you have a situation where there's a lack of gratefulness, there's a lack of a lack of gratitude, what we call kfuitaiva, when the very blessing that was given to you and you appreciate that blessing, that very blessing you use, you exploit it, you manipulate it, you use it to the very opposite end of what that whole blessing was given to you for. And you do it with that blessing, you do it with that kayach. If the Nilus wouldn't be rising, if the Nile wouldn't rise to power, he would never have the, the guts, the chutzpah to say, It was the blessing of Yaakov that emboldened him and gave him physically the capacity to, to, to even be credible. So, so the whole Merideh, the whole Melchama came from the very divine energy that was invested and trusted. And yet the Nilas did not stop rising because Oyen Saif comes Lamata Adin Tachlos. And that's Pshat 
that the oil is not just behispashtas, it's also begilui. We said earlier, there's hispashtas. You say something is present everywhere, it extends everywhere because it's infinite. Gilui means, gilui means that it's actually in a way that is absorbed in the vessels of the ones who receive it. When you say something is gilui, it means that you're a keli for it. So it's tailor-made because the Eidin Tzayf actually goes down in a way that it becomes suitable to the identity of that which it's fueling. Pari wakes up in the morning and says, of course, that's how deep the Eidin Tzayf is manifested. So it's revealed, it's coming out through his personality. What is it? But the way it comes out is the exact opposite. What this teaches us, and this was the main point of the class yesterday, is on one hand, how far one can be disconnected, and yet, even in the depth of disconnection, there's always connection. On one hand, it teaches us how much disassoci- how much disassociation there can be, right? Lamata adin tachlis to no end. That's how much disconnect there could be, and on the other hand, it means that there is still in some mysterious and deep way, there is still a relationship. It also teaches us that that which is perceived as 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 what we call a clippus and sitrachir, or you may want to call it evil, negativity, and all that, what's really, 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 really happening is it's all Erin Saif that became warped and distorted in the psyche and in the reality of the one receiving it, which required a lot of tzimtzumim, a lot of concealments, a lot of blockages. But the point is that it's always that element, which means the real avayda in the ultimate sense is not to break it, but to reveal it, to open up the lid, to really be able to unburden it from the terrible, terrible distortion that it's carrying in its own warped mind to protect itself in its own <laughs> weird way. It's protecting itself and protecting its core and protecting its ain't safe, even though its expression is quite dysfunctional and not helping the person at all. Rabbi Wally, um, yeah. yesterday you mentioned there were three levels of Kweepa, and if it's out in platform, why is it limited to three? It says in, 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 in Kabbalah, that klippas are divided into two categories. One is called klippas noiga, and one is called shalosh klippas atmeis. Klippas noiga, the word noiga means shining, light. It's from Yecheskel, from the vision of Yecheskel. Noiga loy savav. Noiga means a shine, there's a radiance. Klippas noiga means it's a shell, but it's translucent. It's translucent, like a grape. A grape also has a shell, it has a husk, but it, you could see the grape. Then you have clippers like a walnut. A walnut, you can't see the nut. You have to crack the shell to access the nut. In clippers, no, you don't have to crack the shell. On the contrary, the shell can be part of it. You eat the grape even with the shell. In the walnuts, it's actually a very thick clipper, and you don't see it inside. That's that's a more dense clipper. The same is true. We, there's different types of shells and husks that actually give you access Right, and then there's there's these shells that they don't give you access. You have to really fight, uh, crack them. So in Kabbalah, it's called shalosh lipasat meis. 
Why Shalish? The answer is it parallels the three levels of Eish, Ruach, Mayim. Eish, Ruach, Mayim, the fire, the air, and the water, those are the, the Shalish. And in Yechezkel, he calls it Ruach Sa'ara, Anan Gadol, Eish, Mislakachas. In his vision, Ruach Sa'ara is a stormy wind, Anan Gadol is a big, dark cloud, and Eish, Mislakachas is a very intense fire. So those are called Shalish, now, everybody knows what's the point of a klipa. It's a very interesting expression, klippas. The point of a klippa is always to protect the fruit. If a banana would grow without a banana shell, without a banana peel, if an orange would grow without an orange peel, right? If watermelon would grow without it, what would happen? Huh? Well, you can even open up a banana peel in your kitchen and leave it there for a day or two, and you'll see what happens to the banana. And that's even after it's ripe, and it's in your kitchen, and it's in your refrigerator, whatever. There would be no way that the fruit would be able to develop well and to be able to survive the elements. It's a protector mechanism, exactly. Either the scorching heat in the summer or the rain and the moist and the cold in the winter would completely destroy the fruit. You would want to eat something, you wouldn't have anything to eat. So the clipper is doing the best service for the fruit. In the in the simple words, it's protecting it. That tells you exactly what clipper is supposed to be, exactly what it is. It's a protector. <laughs> it's supposed to protect when something is dangerous and something is going to destroy you, you need a protector, right? So in fruits, they're not so sophisticated like people's clippers. <laughs> but in the world of people's emotions, what happens? What's the tragedy? The tragedy is when the clipper, instead of becoming a protector, and an accessory and a servant, so to speak, a shamash, a gabai, to the fruit, yeah, the gabai, you know when that happens? It ever happens? You understand? The klipa becomes the, <laughs> a substitute. He said, he doesn't even tell you there's a fruit here. There's nothing. I'm the guy. Take pictures of me. <laughs> I'm the guy. Right? Back to my metaphor yesterday. You have a suit. The function of a suit is to protect you. Right? You don't want to go outside without clothes. Yeah. Either because your wife will divorce you or because it's cold for whatever reason. So you put on clothes. What happened suddenly? The suit. That's me. <laughs> now I have to fit into the suit. <laughs> I have a, 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 a deranged suit and now I have to become deranged. So the clipper becomes my identity. That's who I am. I don't even know anything else. Why did that happen? Somehow myself had to go into exile. It had to go into gold. So if the self was present, if the fruit was manifest, on a tree we don't make the mistake because it's very obvious that behind the peel there's a banana. Right? Everybody understands that. Even the monkeys understand that. The monkeys have a tremendous mechanism. I don't know if you know how to crack fruits open. You know, coconuts. They're amazing. You ever see the documentaries? And they teach it to their children, right? How do you how do you take a coconut? How do you take walnuts? And how they crack it open, you know, they make tools. It's, it's very interesting. So even monkeys understand that the juice is inside. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the by the peel. But when it comes to the world of emotions, it's much more complicated. When it comes to the world of spirituality and psychology and the brain science, it's much more complicated. What happens often is, I don't even know about what's inside. In fact, what's inside is now completely concealed and distorted with either tzimtzumim, halemus, or hestatim, all three things. 
Tzumtzumim means it's a very small filter, very, very powerful filter that filters the light. Helemus means it's concealed. And Estetim means there's blockages that will actively not allow it to come out. This is where the clipper becomes a shomer. Not a shomer in a good way. I'm protecting you so that you're safe. I'm protecting that nobody knows that you're here. <laughs> it's like Iran with the nuclear weapons, you understand? They don't have guards. They, they, what happened? Uh, what happened was they realized that they don't put it. They didn't put it in a place where you would expect it to be. They put their 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 nuclear research and missile heads and others in a, in a commercial neighborhood with his other stores, and they made it look like a regular store without any special security, just to deceive that there's nothing there. It's a different type of shmirah. I'm guarding it that nobody should know that it exists. Even you shouldn't know that you have a self. You you don't know. So now the shomer takes over the whole thing. That's a whole different type of clipper. And and the chiddush is that it's all from Erdin Saif. Because there's no other reality. If Ein Saif means kipshuta, everything, inf, infinite, infinity means everything. So even the blockage is a form of Erdin Saif. So really at the end, you don't need a break. You need tikkun. You need to open up. You need to, you need to really reveal. You don't have to be afraid even of para. The para inside of you. It says in Zohar that the beginning of parish is boy, Hashem told Moshe, boy el para, come to para. So the Zohar says in, in Hebrew, the Russian should be lech el para. Right? If I send you to go to somebody, I don't say go, come to para. I say go to para, lech el para, not boy el para. Boy is if I'm going. Come with me. Come, I'm going to visit Yankel, come with me. If I'm sending you to somebody, I say, Lech, Lech, Lecha, go. So it says in Zoya, an amazing thing, that uh, Moshe was afraid. He was afraid because this was the first time he had to go into Paray's innermost chamber. All the other times he met Paray outdoors. In the beginning he met him at the Nile because Paray would go to the river to do his uh, his... Uh, what he had to do, like we spoke about yesterday, or he met him, the, you know, in the lobby, in the in the foyers, in the in the welcoming rooms where the king meets guests. But this time, Hashem said, "I want you to go in cheder lefnim cheder. You're going into his most intimate sanctuary." So Moshe said, "I can't." He was afraid. So Hashem said, "Boy, come. I'll go with you. <laughs> Don't go yourself. Boy, come with me." So what was the sphere? It's an incredible idea. Moshe wasn't afraid of Paray. He turned this whole river. What do you mean he was afraid? Why was he so afraid? Moshe didn't have a problem with Amuna. Like Hashem is sending him. <laughs> Moshe already did all the makas till then. It was Dam Tzvadeya, Kinim, Arav, Dever, Shechin, Barad. With three left. It's the beginning of Parsha's boy, the last three. So it's not like Moshe thought, oh, you know, maybe Paray is going to win this war. The idea here is that there's something that is very, very scary. That is the power of Pare. The power is, and this is so true about life, that sometimes our greatest inhibitions come from the fact because we are afraid even to look at it. This part I'm not going to look at. This is so shameful. This is so embarrassing. This is so humiliating. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm not going there. This we have to leave. 
sometimes I'm ready to go to a lot of places, but there's going to be a point. Ad kan hakafazayin. That's it. I already went seven hakafas. Megait nishvayit. I'm not going for it. There's something, and and that that that's where that's where you have to go. That's exactly what has to be unburdened. That's the most powerful force that's holding a person in the, in his in his grip. It's when that's cracked open, there can be a release. The neshama can come out of gallows. Literally, that's the last chamber. So Hashem tells Moshe, boy, I'm coming, don't worry. In other words, what does it mean I'm coming? Hashem is everywhere. It means I'm there too. When Hashem says I'm coming, it means I'm there too. What's the I'm there too? It's really me. What you're scared of is really... You're really scared of yourself. It's really me. It's much easier said than done. <laughs> Anyone who has experience with this knows it's much easier said than done. Because fear is not as rational as it is in, in the shiurim. <laughs> in other words, fear doesn't come to the shear. You understand? If, ah, it really does. But it doesn't tell you it does. It's hiding somewhere. Yeah, it's like the internet. <laughs> it's like the internet it goes down, it goes up. It doesn't doesn't tell you I'm part of it. It it it's demoralizing. It's paralyzing. It doesn't it doesn't tell its secret. That's its power. Pado is telling you the river is mine. I made myself. <laughs> and Hashem is telling Moshe, boy, I'm I'm there. Come, you're not you're not alone. I'm there too. What's the key? Even the his Meshugana heart, his crazy, crazy thick heart. It's In other words, doesn't have to be if you're connected to that, you don't have to be afraid of anything. If you can internalize this, you don't have to come to another shear. We still want you to come, but you don't have to. <laughs> if you internalize that, you can become yourself an outcast. You know? A what? You, you can become a, yourself an outcast because people will, uh, um, you know, put you in a suit. <laughs> you have to hang around people who don't put you in suits. What happened? What happened to what? To Moshe? He went. What happened with Moshe and Parah? Right, that's the idea. But Moshe didn't have to be afraid. And ultimately the Jews went free. You're right. You're right. You're right. What went wrong? What went wrong is Pali didn't come to the Shear. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to show up. You have to show up. You have to show up. You have to show up for healing. You have to at least show up. Have you had a choice? Listen, I said yesterday from the Moirei Nayim that the tragedy of Pari is Pari represents the point where I have no choices. It's not so much here the physical Pari. Pari represents the concept of a person who has no choices. How 
if I could become aware of the fact that I'm in a place where I'm not, not making choices, that's, the, that's, that's all I can do. To be able to be aware that I'm in a place where I can't make choices, where my reactions are survival and survival mechanisms and protective mechanisms, and that's the best I'm doing with my life, and I'm always in that place. That, that awareness is coming from a place that sees that. That place is not defined by it. The fact that I could see that already means there's an eye that's observing the brokenness. So that's already the beginning of freedom, even though I'm not free. The Baal Shem Tev once said that Soid Hagolus Vahagula is in Das. The difference of exile and redemption is always perception. It's always Das. Now that's 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 the core of everything. It sounds like a simple thing. Oh, it's a mindset. It's all perce- it's re- it's really perception. When we talk about um, the orange coming what exactly did we think for? Ah. I think what it means is so. We try to define it in class one, in class two, and in the next classes, and also yesterday. But I think the main point is, I don't know if you heard the first ones, but we discussed it all. I think that's the main, the, 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 the key nakuda, the key point is that in simple English, that really, really, we don't have any scary, completely evil, bad parts. And that's a pretty big revolutionary idea because we always know there's good and there's evil and, and there's good and bad and part of you is bad. And, and in your case, it's 90% that's bad. I don't mean you, whoever the you know poster boy for us is, right? In some cases, you believe it's 99.999% bad. You have an amuda that maybe there's something good. And, and there's a reason for it. Because people have bad parts. I mean, right? It's not like, it's not delusional. We call it Yetzir Tov Hara. Some people really want to do nasty things and some people do very nasty things. I don't have to elaborate. Nasty on one level, nasty on another level. Nasty on a global level or nasty on a more individual level, you know. Nasty in the sense of cruel, sadistic, barbaric or even nasty in the sense of of, of selfish, immoral, promiscuous, stupid, uh, destructive, etc., so we call it Yetzir Tov right? However, what we're learning here is that there's a whole deeper dimension. The deeper dimension is that those parts that you really perceive as bad and evil, and nobody is denying that there are inclinations and addictions and cravings and instincts that are dysfunctional and destructive and don't help you and help your family. Nobody's saying that if I eat, if I want to eat something that's poisonous for me, right, suddenly it's beautiful and it's ain't safe. No, if you eat it, there's going to be consequences. You understand? And if you if you steal and you rob and you embezzle, there's going to be consequences. We're not right. Every time I want to lie, I want to ganver, I want to gazzle. It's not romanticizing that. What it is doing is it's saying if you could really, really see within those parts, really, really within, you will really, really see that it's a distortion. It's, 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 it's message is really 
trying in some funny, weird way to connect you and be connected to your own source. In its own way, there's something very good and, 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 and holy and sacred and positive about it, even though its form is so, so not that. And that means that there's no part of me that I have to be scared of. It means there's no part of me that I have to run away from. It means there's no part of me that can't be fixed and can't be repaired. What, it, what, I, what I need to do is I need to be able to ask myself, what is it afraid of? What is it covering up for? What would it, what would it think would happen to it if it doesn't play this role in my life? What, what's going to happen to it? What would happen to you if you won't say li asasini? What, what would what would life look like? Something very scary. What is it? And it's 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 amazing work. It's amazing work because it's the tikkun of everything. And I told you in psychology there have been two streams generally. In chesedus it's already called a skafia and a sapcha. Skafia means you come to peace with the fact that part of you is broken. But you don't let it dictate your life. Which is an amazing thing. I come into a chas and I have crazy social anxiety. Right? People are coming to a mitzvah, you come into a shavah brachas, you come into an event, yeah, you have crazy social anxiety. Some people, meeting people is like a, a breath of fresh air. They love people. And some people going to a simcha is Gehenna. And every person who sees them, it's a new Gehenna. Anybody relates to this? If you don't, good. If you do, you do. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just giving an example of, 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 of a very of something that's it's pushing very hard. Right? So one way is what they do, what they call exposure therapy. You expose yourself to it, and you see that you could survive. Right? One way is of being aware of it and giving it its space, and then choosing what you want to do, which are all very powerful methods that can help people whether it's social anxiety, whether it's OCD, if it's used in addiction, and a lot of different things, right? Anger, jealousy, hatred, etc. And these are all methods that are important. What we're learning here is a whole different nakuda, a deeper nakuda, not a contradiction, but a deeper nakuda. And that is that really there's no bad parts. There's literally no bad parts. And lamata doesn't mean lamata or lamabriya. That's also lamata. Lamata means pare. Klippe. Klippe means that the ain't soif assumes an opposite identity. So it means that my infinite light, what does it mean my infinite light? My infinite light is my asp, my light that's one with Hashem, that's one with everything. Right? Descended. What does it mean descended? Doesn't, doesn't mean go down a ladder. Descended means it transformed. Descent here doesn't mean like this. Descent means it transformed into a, a, into a, an experience that says that I'm exactly the opposite of Ein Saif. In Pare's case, I'm a, a crazy, arrogant narcissist. So what does that mean about narcissism? Think about it. The most opposite union of Elikus is narcissism. Elikus is bitul. Narcissism, what does narcissism mean? 
They say if you want to you want to drown a narcissist, you put mirrors on the bottom of the ocean. You didn't get that. So Pari is the is the ultimate narcissist, right? I own everything. I am everything. Everybody works for me. Yeah, I once heard from Rabbi Sachs, all of Shalom, that the the symbol of Mitzrayim is the pyramids. Right, he says the symbol of, of of the Jewish people, or at least one of the symbols, is the Menorah. So what's the difference? <laughs> the difference is in the pyramids. Yeah, the masses are on the bottom, and then you have the next level, and the next level, and the next level, and that everybody's holding up one person on the top. Para, <laughs> everybody is here to support me. <laughs> You go under you, and I step on you, and I'm on the top. I'm pare. And everybody is, the question is, which level? Are you mamash, you're from the shmatas on the bottom? Or you're from the Choshiva people, so you're somewhere in the middle of the pyramids. But it's always points to the guy on the top. He says, the menorah was the exact opposite. Ad yirecha, ad percha, you had the single base of the menorah. Right? That's the leader. And he supported all the seven branches, which represents all the seven parts of the Jewish people, corresponding to the seven middas, like it says in Lakota Torah, right, the seven middas, and he, he supports them. The Gemara says in Haredias that Rabbi Gamliel said there were two people he wanted to make leaders and they didn't want because of their humility. And he said, <laughs> You think I'm turning you into leaders? I'm turning you into Avadim. He wanted to make them didn't see him. So they didn't want. He said, you got the wrong, the wrong impression. I'm not giving you power. I'm giving you avdus. Now it's an amazing description because he was giving them power. But what's power in Judaism? Real power in Judaism is that you're serving more. You're not serving less. You have much more. You understand? That is what power is. It's not exploitive power. I have power, so now I can abuse you and use you. It's basically I'm plugging into God's power. So the narcissism is the exact opposite, and that's part of it. So the Chiddush here is saying, now you have to be careful with trying this at home because this is sensitive stuff. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's extremely sensitive. That if the narcissist... Can, and it's not easy. Narcissism is one of the hardest situations in the world. Narcissistic personality disorder. If you know about it, you know how serious it is. And the people around that person suffer terribly. But is there a tikkun for somebody with that? Or similar things, right? All these types of things. So it takes a lot, a lot of openness. But the real truth is, the real, real truth is that somehow... This guy with narcissistic personality disorder, acknowledging how painful it is, especially to everybody around. But the ultimate tikkun is when he realizes that all of his narcissistic emotions and experiences and warped way of seeing the world, and it's a really warped way of seeing the world, trust me. I know a little bit about it. It's a really warped way of seeing the world. If you're not a narcissist, you don't know what it is. Unless you unfortunately have a relationship with somebody. You can't have a relationship, but you were forced to be in some connection with somebody. It's it's a Gehenim every second, because there's no empathy. There's literally nobody else. It's not like even it's not even I'm trying. It's not like I'm selfish. There's nobody else. 
Your whole metzias is a din inside of me. It's literally a mirror. Imagine I'm looking at everybody and everyone is a mirror. And your personality is also a mirror. It's not just you're a mirror. A mirror is a dead thing. Your creativity is also a mirror. You understand how it is? Your children, your wife, your husband, every the whole world. The whole world is really, really a mirror. How much pain, how much pain did this person have? I don't know when and how, but probably as a child. That in order to be able to protect their poor self, this is the klipa that was created as a substitute for self. Now this shell is as thick as the China wall, right? It's thicker than the, than the walls that Herod built in, in, in the Israel. It's a thick, thick wall. But the reason it's so thick is because it's protecting something so, so vulnerable and precious. So in some crazy, crazy way, and you have to say this with a lot of sensitivity, there's really a very, very precious spark over there that you have to empathize with that created such a type of crazy, crazy cover-up, crazy, crazy klipa in order to protect its own infinite self. And the moment you realize it and you say, you know what? You don't have to. You're not four years old anymore. You can unburden yourself from the need of being narcissistic. There's going to be a flash flood of tears and a new person will be born. Now, I wish it was as easy as the last five minutes in reality. Because remember, the narcissist is going to go on a serious nefesh. Because they ain't so, and it's all because they ain't so. Because he's protecting something that's really infinite. So the narcissism becomes infinite. The narcissism is a distortion. It's a lavush. That's megala ain't soif. It's megala it in the opposite of ain't soif. Now, these are not words that should be said easily because you have to acknowledge. That's why this mima struggles level after level after level because you have to acknowledge how disconnected from Ein Saif it is. Pari was a Rasha Merusha. <laughs> Pari wasn't a Tzaddik. He was a, a Rasha Merusha. You have to acknowledge how disconnected it is. That's why he goes through Briya, Yitzir, Asiya, Gashmir's Klippa. You have to acknowledge that because if not, you're in La La Land and you stum, uh, you understand what I'm saying? You have to acknowledge the the pain of it. Of course, if he thinks narcissism is the way, but trust me, the narcissist suffers more. Again, I'm I'm saying this with sensitivity. The narcissist is suffering as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. He just created a worldview that he's not. That's how much he's suffering. He's a miserable, miserable, pitiful human being. Miserable. He's a wretched, wretched. Of course they don't. <laughs> if the moment he would, he wouldn't be able to justify it. It's all pain. It's all pain. Pain, 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 pain. The guy never experienced love in his life. He never experienced a moment of safety. It's very common today, by the way. It's not always narcissism. It's other things. Bessel van der Kolk told me that they're learning more and more that mental illness is also associated with trauma. 
How much of that is accurate, I don't know. I'm not an expert. But the point is, that means that sometimes the most crazy experiences you see in people are rooted in pain. It's not just a chemical imbalance they were born with. Which makes sense. It says in Chesedes that every illness is rooted in a Inyan Ruchni. The guf and the neshama are very connected. The guf is the neshama. The neshama, like we learned about Eir and Kaili. So physical ailment is always connected to something spiritual. It doesn't mean there's no physical ailment, right? It's like the Indian doctor. We're not... <laughs> so an Indian doctor, he once met a boy. He says, oh, wow, I didn't see you in many years. How was your father? How was your uncle? Because they knew each other. They were neighbors. He says, oh, my uncle is very sick. So he was an Indian doctor. He says, it's not true. He says, he's sick. He says, tell your uncle he thinks he's sick. He thinks he's sick. It's in his mind. A few weeks later, he met him again. He says, how is your uncle? He says, my uncle thinks he died. <laughs> you have to be careful. You know, sometimes everything is spiritual, you know. <laughs> it's important to understand that Ruchnis and Gashmis work together. But my point is that that's a fascinating thing. That if this person never experienced a moment of safety in their life, and the world is a non-safe place, and by the time I was four years old, my heart was broken into five million little pieces, right? My clipper that may develop is going to say, you know what? There's not going to be anything else in this world that's not about me. I have no choice. Everybody and everything in this world is going to be about me. The river is mine. I made myself. I made you. You are here for me. Can you see the pain of somebody who has to do that? There was not one person I could trust. Not one person who thought about me. So what happens? I'm the one who has to think about me to the exclusion of anybody else. I don't even have the mental space to think about you. The last time I thought about another person, I got a stab in my heart. How much love was destroyed in order to create that sensation? Can you see? Can you empathize? Not with the narcissism, but with the pain that caused it. I wanted to be one. I can't be. So maybe my clip has told itself, you go into hiding. <laughs> You're too dangerous. We'll protect you. All these types of things. You're too embarrassing. We'll, we'll, we'll handle life instead of you. And now suddenly, a part of you that was supposed to protect you, right? People live in anger. What are they living in? A person is constantly angry, angry, right? People always get angry. They're angry at their spouse. They're angry at their kids. They're angry. They're just angry. What would it look like if I wouldn't be angry? You have to ask it. What would life look like if I wouldn't be angry? What is it? Something is happening here. You'll always find out. You'll always now, now we need support of people. I can't do this myself. It's too, I'm too biased. I'm too part of the understanding. But you'll always find out that if, if I wouldn't be angry somehow, I feel that I will not be able to live. I am protecting something very precious. I'm protecting a child who will not be able to live. He will be, something will happen very, very dangerous to him. And that's how now I'm 50 years old, I'm 40 years old, I'm 30 years old, I'm 60 years old, and I'm still angry at the world. 
And I don't even know why anymore. Your wife asks you to take out the garbage, you're angry. Pick up challah for Shabbos, you're angry. Buy, buy milk for, Shabbos, for, for, for Sunday morning, you're angry. Your kid needs extra money to go buy something, you're angry. So you say, yeah, because I don't have money. That's not the reason. Yesterday you, you, you went to a restaurant and you wasted much more money and you weren't angry. <laughs> what are you angry about? So sometimes you have to say, you know what, you're angry, but do the right thing. Okay, Escafia. Here we're saying something much more than that. And that is your poor anger, Nebach. Poor Eirein Saif. <laughs> it had to be transformed into anger. You understand? <laughs> Could you unburden it? Can we see what's there? And suddenly you'll see probably there's this sweet little, 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 beautiful, beautiful, loving child who was maybe hopeless, maybe hopeless and helpless. And your only defense tool was anger. That's it. That's the only way you could feel like a mensch. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. I was five years old. All I could do is feel hurt and angry. Now it's 45 years later, right? Your wife asked you to do something. Somebody else asked you to do something. And that, that was triggered again. It was never worked out. I'm just giving different types of examples, but it's true about every Nikud in the world. That was triggered again. So it's my helplessness. As though I'm under attack again. I'm, I'm being attacked. So what, what's my only defense mechanism? I'm angry. You're, you're a sick person. You're a rush. Okay, you're sick, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> it's some little menuchas anefesh. I'm a tzaddik. You're a meshugana. You're a rasha. The oil is typhus, what I'm saying. I'm just giving different possible illustrations. There's endless more. And on different levels, but possible illustrations where something so beautiful and precious and holy assumes such dysfunctional emotions and experiences, and it's really only, only because of blockages of what's really going on. Imagine if instead of getting angry, right, I could look at myself and you and say, wow, <laughs> I could really feel the inner pain behind the anger. I could really feel my loneliness, for example, or my helplessness. I could really feel, and then I could ask myself, what do I really, really want? And then I'd say, you know, I want to be one with you. I want to be connected. In other words, you want to be part of connection. You want to be part of Ein Soif. We're all connected. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> and I could talk about that, and then you could respond and say, I'm here for you, I love you, I cherish you. And then you could talk to the anger and say, you know, <laughs> do you give permission to go away for five minutes <laughs> and find out what ha what happened if you wouldn't get angry, what's going to happen here? And let it open up the wound, right? And you see that there were so many cover-ups just to protect something that was so painful and really very precious and beautiful. So my anger wasn't evil. My anger was the only thing I knew how to do in a very, very difficult situation. Misconception. misconception. But the misconception now is in my nervous system. The misconception is in my nervous system. My nervous system doesn't feel safe. The definition of Eirein Saif is that you're safe. You're safe. 
You're in an embrace of oneness. You're safe. That's what safety means. Oneness equals safety. Safety equals oneness. What does safety mean? (laughs) Safety means you can be loved, cherished. When you're part of Ain Saif, it means that you're part of eternity. You're part of infinity. You're embraced by oneness. You're an extension of that light. You're in a very safe place because you're at the core of life. So there's safety. But I'm not. I feel disassociated. So it creates all these types of things. The Chiddush here is that the Eden Saif didn't leave by Lamata Adin Tachlis. People think, I'm so broken, there's no chance anymore. There's no hope. That's what we're saying, that the soul is there too. No, I'm not saying that we're all narcissists because we don't trust anybody. I'm saying, I once asked a fellow, it was a particular shul that I knew somebody, and uh, it was a very able person. And then I saw that something changed in him. He was like very tough. So I said, what happened? So he said to me that he's dealing with real estate. He's dealing in real estate the last few years in Manhattan. So what he told me, he says, and everybody there is a shark. So to succeed, I also became a shark. And I don't know how to turn it off always. <laughs> I became a shark. Okay. What I'm saying is as follows. Perhaps if when I was young, there was no caregiver, the caretakers, the, the most reliable people in my life, usually a mother, a father, or similar people, such, people of such influence in my life, there was nobody to create attachment where I felt safe, secure, seen, and soothed. And the attachment was either completely not there or very wounded or avoidant. There was emotional neglect. And never mind if there was not only neglect, but even sometimes there's neglect, but even if there was the opposite. Our survival mechanisms that develop are diverse. Depends on so many circumstances. Depends on my genes and my disposition and my character and my soul and the nature of the experience. One of the possible very dysfunctional dispositions that I develop is a philosophy and an experience of life where simply I don't even have the mental space to experience empathy for another person. I can't even see them. I can't feel them. I can't see them. I can't experience them. Now, I want to survive. And I know I'm smart. And I know that we live in a society where empathy and compassion is is lauded. It's praised. So I become so skilled that I copy empathy. (laughs) I know how to feign empathy. I know how to be nice. In shul, they call me the sar ha-chesed. The sar ha-chesed. I know the right things to say to the right people to become the, the, the essence of kindness in the community. But really, really, it's all a shell. It's all dead. There's, there's literally nothing there. Mamish nothing. Deep, deep down, I have absolutely no real, genuine experience of the other. Now, what... I really, really do, but it's completely, I have no access to it. A whole different klipa took over. That's one very possible response. And it's very, very deep because the person doesn't even know it anymore. 
They don't even know it. And anybody who gets close and expects it, you become the most angry at them. The guy in the shul who comes in Shabbos morning, right, at the Kiddush, you're going to give him your herring. It's great. You fit into the community. You have a, But when it comes to your wife and kids who live with you, right, and they're always looking for that, the person's anger and blaming them and always getting angry at them becomes very, very powerful. And he himself doesn't even know the gullus he's living in. That's what I'm saying. The fact that when we're older, we live in a world where often you can't trust many people. Okay, so it's good to, not to be naive. <laughs> if you're going into business with somebody and he's going to baganve you and bagazel you, it's good to have the boundaries that protect you. What's the question? That That's a good thing. That's where klipa is good. We all need protections. It's called sneas. It's called proper walls. I'm not supposed to look into your bedroom and your kitchen and your dining room, right? The Gemara says, Bilam saw that the doors are not parallel to each other because everyone needs healthy boundaries. Those are good walls. Good walls, good well, good fences, good neighbors make. Whether it's a cynical statement or a positive statement is already a debate for poets. What Mr. Frost meant. Whether it was cynical or positive, right? Your wife has a commentary on that. But... Good fences, good neighbors make. But the point is, that's that that's a banana peel. You need a banana peel. Nothing wrong with a banana peel. It's raining outside. You put on a clipper. It's called a coat. <laughs> it's called a coat. <laughs> Ayi told me, his name is Label Posner. <laughs> you see, uh, uh, such an edelkite. Label Posner. Ayi, he lives in Borough Park today, I think, at Crown Heights. So he told me that he was... Um, he, uh, one Shabbos, I was walking and I met him, so I asked him to tell me something. He told me a story. He was once, it was the early 1940s, and he was learning in the Lubavitch Yeshiva in 770. And uh, in the middle, of the early 40s, 42, 43, 44, there was a truck that came to deliver new svarim, new, new svarim, new books. The Lubavitch Rebbe, who was then known as the Ramash, the son-in-law of the, of the Rebbe Rayats, who's yard scientist today, um, he was in. He was. He saw that the svarim came, and he wanted to bring them in. So he asked a few of the bachrim if they could bring in the boxes from the Eastern Parkway into his room. So they said, "Of course." It was the middle of the break, I think. So a few bachrim went, and they were schlepping in the boxes. It was raining. So Label Posen was going out. So the Rebbe asked him if he had a coat because he said he doesn't have a coat. So the Rebbe said, "Use my coat," and he showed him his coat was hanging over there. In a room uh, they call Ganed Natachtan. So, so, so he borrowed the Lubavitcher Rebbe's coat. He was then the Ramash, and he and he brought in the boxes. When he, and, and he said, "When you finish, just put back the coat over there." So he says, "When he came back with the boxes, the Rebbe looked at him, <laughs> and he said, as a doch, doch amakif, an A coat is makif, but you have to have your own makif." Makif and Pnimi. Pnimi is individualized. Makif, right, is is an encompassing energy that's not different, like a talus. A jacket, it has to fit me. I can't put on your jacket. I can't put on your pants. It's not going to work. I can't put on your shoes. A makif, a talus, I can wear your talus. We could be in the same room. It's a makif. A makif means it's a higher transcendent energy. So a coat is like a makif because it's, even though if it's a too small, you can't put it on. But relative, 
to other things, levushim are called makifim because they're uh, they're 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 above. So even though in levushim itself, it still has to be measured, but relative to the inside, a levush is called a makif. So he says a makif a bedachan egene. In other words, even a makif, you have to have your own makif. <laughs> even a makif, even a coat. The point is, a banana peel is a good thing. You have to. You're going out in the rain. <laughs> you need. You need. You, you need a coat. That's not a bad that you're protecting yourself. I'm talking about when protection becomes my mechanism of living. There's no relationship. There's only protection. What happens if the lack of trust is now with every one of my kids, right? With every one of my siblings, with every one of my parents, with every one of my friends, and worse, with your spouse. What does that look like? (laughs) You can't be in a relationship. There's no empathy if I'm not feeling you. If I can't let go, if I can't really listen to you, there's no relationship. It's a Gehenna. And if I deny it, then I blame you. The moment the narcissist knows he's a narcissist, is already a Yeshua. It's already a Yeshua. It's not yet Mashiach, but it's a Yeshua. It's a But if I deny it, then you're the crazy one. Oh, it's a Gehenna. Somebody just published a book, a woman. I forgot the title, it was a very smart title, but the subtitle was Being Married to a Narcissist. Um, her first title, I forgot, very, very creative title, like uh, a relationship that's uh, like, it's a delusional relationship, mat- like a relationship with somebody who doesn't exist. Uh, very cute, like, uh, not so cute, I mean tragic, but the, the subtitle is Living with a Narcissist. I'm, I'm using this as an example for many, many other things. It could be mental illness, Right? But it's also all types of emotions and experiences that we have. We have to have the courage to be able to go deeper. And when you have the courage to go deeper, you see two things. First of all, it's not a bad part in you. It's a protective part. It's a protective part. The manager, the protector, the shimer, the klipa, simply lost his shlichus. He doesn't know who he is anymore. He became something that he never wanted to become. Nebach. And therefore he'll be the happiest to unburden himself from his burden. And number two, you learn, and this is so important, that the Eirin Saif was always there. Your soul was always present. In other words, even in your disconnect from yourself, there was self and therefore, you were never really disconnected. Bistoifus? Huh? Now, he's Moisif here, that when it says Padai, he adds when Padai had the Nilus come up to him, and he used the Nilus as a way of fighting God and Moshe, the tragedy is even deeper because we understand what the Nilus was. The Nilus was the first river that came out of Eden. The first river is Pishai. So that's the first access. The first river that comes out, it has access to Eden. Eden is considered Hashem's intimate pleasure. And the first expression of that was the Nilus. So to give Parai a blessing that the Nilus should come up to him 
was giving Pare access to deepest divine pleasure. And that's what Pare manipulated. That's why that's the real muscle for Eden Soflamatat in Tachlis. He took that pleasure and he used it to turn himself into a god. He took that powerful spiritual energy of Eden Saif and it completely was exploited. In fact, it's brought in Chsidus. Nilus is Begamatria Yosef. Nilus is Begamatria Yosef because Yosef went down to Egypt and Yosef was the one to sublimate Egypt. That's why Yaakov came down to bless Pare. And that's why it says, he brings from the, the middle of the Tzamach Tzedek, that when Yaakov passed away and they took him to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael to bury, there was a big eulogy at a place called Goyrin Ha'atod for seven days and everybody saw and they said, Avel Kavid It's a tremendous Avel for Mitzrayim in Parshas Vayichi. The question is, it wasn't an Egyptian grief. It was a Yaakov. It was Avel covered for Yaakov and his family, for the Yaak family of Yaakov, not Mitzrayim. So on a simple level, it means because Egyptian dignitaries were there. So obviously it was a loss. But spiritually, it's also true. When Yaakov passed away, Mitzrayim could grieve. Because the one who suffers most from Klippa is Klippa. The one who suffers most from Yaakov's passing is Pari and Mitzrayim. Through Yaakov's blessing, Pari and Mitzrayim <coughs> became, first of all, they were blessed physically, because they were blessed spiritually, because they were conduits for Kedusha. The Nilus coming up to Pari allowed that Pari should realize that he has the power to help the Jewish people. The moment Yaakov passed away, and Pari started to manipulate the energy and use it for himself. It became Avelis for him. It was the beginning of their downfall. Physically, they were destroyed. And spiritually, instead of serving their purpose as a conduit for Gdusha, they detached themselves in the search for power and ultimately ended up destroying themselves. Like Hashem tells Avram, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. They're cursing you to protect themselves but they're really cursing themselves more than anybody else. Yeah, Melech she became a new king. The clipper goes out of whack. Out of whack. When Hashem says, whoever curses you will be cursed, Hashem told the Tavram Avinu, it's not a prediction, it's not, it's not, by the way, it's not a blessing. It's a historical prediction. If you look out through history till today, and you want to look at any nation, you want to say, should I move there, should I not move there? <laughs> Is it a good place to live or not a good place to live? Ask one question. When you should ask maybe a few questions. But one question is, how do they treat the Jewish people? Historically, countries that mistreated the Jewish people, ultimately, sooner or later, they mistreated their own people with equal barbarity and sadism. Stalin began with Jews. But how many Russians were murdered, not Jews? How many? 40 million people. Hitler started with Jews, but how many Germans suffered? Iran, Afghanistan, yeah, Gaza, Egypt, they hate Jews more than anybody else. But how do they treat their own minorities? People who disobey women, people who have different priorities. How do they treat them? Hashem was telling Avram a fact. Whoever blesses you will be blessed. It's not just a prophecy. I'm going to give it. It's a fact of history. 
You look how a nation treats Jews, and you'll see how they treat women, how they treat children, how they treat their own minorities, how they treat how much how much sensitivity, how much dignity, how much freedom, how much normalcy is there. The moment Parai lost touch with that, he destroyed himself and he destroyed his people. Physically, economically, and spiritually, instead of being an assistance for Kedusha, became a contradiction. That, that, that was the tragedy. So when Yaakov died, it was an Avelis from Mitzrayim. And this is also an Akuda. When you unburden those parts that seem so bad, you're doing them a favor. Deep down, my soul is crying that I have to be angry. My anger doesn't want to be angry. It's a part that wants to do something else. I want to be proactive. I want to be aggressive in a good way. Nebuch, I became an angry, an angry, an angry person or a depressed person. Right? Or a selfish person. Or an addict. The addiction is crying. I never wanted this. This is what I had to become, and that's why there's no menuchas hanefesh. The moment you unburden Parai, right? He'll thank you. When Yaakov passed away, Mitzrayim was grieving. Okay, and I want to finish the last piece. We'll be mamish another few minutes. So turn, what I said now outside was Se'if Vav. Se'if Vav, and I'll go to Se'if Zion, which is page Chaf. Page Chaf. So after he finished explaining Lamata Adin Tachlis with Parai and the Nilus, page Chaf Se'if Zion, Based on what we said, that the main discussion here is about Avoida. We keep on saying this. The point here is not spiritual ideas about The main Indian is how it applies to a person. So the whole explanation about Padai, don't think we're talking about Padai. <laughs> We're talking about Pada, talking about every person. There's the Pada in every person. That's why he continues the Maimer Basi Lagani. Remember, this is the Maimer, old Basi Lagani, that the Rebbe Rayatz gave out to learn Yud Shvat, Tavshin Yud, which was the day that he himself passed away. Today, the Yud said is today, Yud Shvat. So the Rebbe is saying over this Maimer, focusing on Ois Yud Gimel, and explaining it line by line, what he's saying. So he continues in the Maimer, The same phenomenon, obviously in a more subtle way, exists in every person in their life, both by Bali Asakim. Bali Asakim means people involved in business, and Yoshvayoyal. Yoshvayoyal means people who sit in the world of Torah. Generally, Klal Yisrael is divided into those that primarily they're in the world of business, whatever that looks like. And Yoshvayoyal are those who are involved more in the world of Ruchnius, of Torah, Tfilah, etc. So in both you have this concept. What does it look like in business? What does Pare, this look like in business? When a person starts believing that it's my own vigor, my own strength that made me so successful. We're not talking about Pare. We're talking about Ayid, a Jew. So he knows and he believes that Hashem gives him the power. And Hashem's blessing makes wealth. 
And not only that, he mentions Hashem's name in the business. He says, Emitz Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Bezrit Hashem, I'll make a million dollars. Altsi says, Baruch Hashem, thank, he's Masker Shem Shemayim. So where, where is the Indian here? Mikol Makoy, Minei Choshev, Dekoychev, Aitzim Yad, Dehanu Dechachmosay, Amdallah. Nonetheless, that's true, he's Masker Shem Shemayim, he's a Jew, he believes in Hashem. But ultimately, he feels that at the end of the day, it's my, <laughs> it's my Chachma. It's my brilliance, my kayach, that made me successful. So when he's on top of the world, when he's on top of the world, in all aspects, is an expression from Tehillim Nun Beis. He becomes chutzpedik in his existence. There's something that happens when a person is successful that they're untouchable, like they become this core arrogance. Just my existence, somehow I'm superior to you. It's like a superiority complex. It's like almost I'm untouchable. It's a certain, he says, something psychologically happens to you. I don't know if there's anybody here very, very wealthy or successful, if you want to raise your hand. Kvaldek. So why does why did this not happen to you? You're very approachable. Somehow it's very mitzies. They call it feinschmeckers in Yiddish. There's a certain distance. Hashem will bless you in all that you do. When you'll remember that it's Hashem Alekecha. What's Prat Hashem Alekecha? That Hashem is the one who's giving you the energy, the empowerment, rather than making it, saying it's my own, then, there has to be Havayel, should be Alekecha. You should realize that, not that you don't have strength, of course you have strength. Not that you're not working, of course you're working. Not that you're not using your brains or creativity. But your creativity, that is divine. Habayrachicha Hashem Alekecha. That's also Eirin Saif. Not that you're supposed to be lazy and sit on the couch and say, oh, I do nothing. I just buy lottery tickets. If you could win lottery tickets, gesundheit. But the Nikud is, that's how he touches the puzzle. When Hashem becomes Elikecha, you remember that Hashem is Elikecha, it's your God. Right? It's your God. Then, the Indian, I'm Rebekal Pirusha, call Mashayasi, Allah, when he says, it means whatever you do could be successful. We see this. Sometimes a person is involved in big, big, big things. It doesn't yield what they want it to. And sometimes another person, he touches up with something, and suddenly it turned into gold next week. <laughs> right? There was somebody who, who, who sold his shares in, uh, in Microsoft. For how much? Not in Microsoft, in Apple. He showed, he sold it with, with three, three guys. There was a Steve Jobs and his friend and a third guy, and he sold it for $800. <laughs> he told them this is going to be futile, so he sold his shares for $800. <laughs> $800 became <laughs> billions. <laughs> Not bad, right? I, I I give you eight hundred dollars, and it turns tomorrow into. 
$50 billion, not so bad. The point is, not that you shouldn't work. The point is, you don't even know what, whatever you could do, could be a small thing that turns into gold. Why is that? So you say, mazel, mazel, yeah? Guy once told me, he was a ger, he was a convert, a very special person. He says, he says, I have the worst of both worlds. He says, Chabagoyu Shekop mit Yiddish Mazel. So he tells me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> That's the word. A person works, but you don't know. Amnam Kasher Avla Evlas Adam to Salav Darke, the Pasuk says in Mishle. When the folly, Ev Avla, the folly of a person makes his ways crooked. Very interesting words, he says. People start following all these types of schemes and plans. Because I want to be like somebody else. So you start pursuing things. It's not who you are. It's not what you need. Instead of living a life that's consistent with your essence, you're busy emulating other people. Financially, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. I go into your house, I need your kitchen. I see your car, I need, I don't need your kitchen, I don't need your car. I need, I need to be me, but I don't know who I am. I don't believe in myself. I'm not attached, I'm not connected. I'm not centered, I'm not anchored. So my life now becomes, oh, what is, what, what do you look like? Oh, looks good, okay. Suddenly now I have to turn over my whole life, make everybody mashuga so I could be like you. This is pshat, evlas adam tesalav darke, demach sichalein meshun. Instead of really embracing who you are, what you have, and, and, and enjoying it, I'm miserable because I'm busy, fascinatingly, I'm busy trying to be who you are. As they say, we're all born originals, but many of us die as copies. I'm become a copy. So I'm looking for things, he says, it's not lefi erkei ma'alosoi ma'amodoi ma'atzove. Erkei means it's not, it's not your level. Ma'alosoi, it's not your virtue, it's not your standing, it's not your situation. And a person thinks that I could manipulate and exploit everything because everything is up to me because of my kayach, my wisdom. So as I loizu, bovach ma'abadasein, debenach Hashem alakech b'chela shetasa, eloizos, shenechselei binyan of agashim lagami mashahayadat. In addition to losing the union of beirach Hashem alakech b'chela shetasa, being connected to Hashem alakech, which is a source of the blessing, First, for, furthermore, the person could even make it worse for themselves. And you could do damage of things. Even dangerous things, hazardous things. What people do here in order to be able to reach certain things they have to reach just to be yoytze or to emulate somebody, your life becomes a mess. <laughs> this is interesting analysis here in a mime. It usually doesn't uh, get so sharp, but you know what people do for financial financial success in order to be able to fit into a certain bracket or demographic. Says you're completely not in touch with yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't know what your shlichus is. That Rabbi brings examples. It all begins with the fact that you don't know who you are. Instead of a person realizing I'm a conduit for Hashem, 
It becomes koichi v'etzim yadi, I detach. So this is how he's explaining para in a person's avayda. The very success I have, like para, the very success I have, instead of using that success and acknowledging it, and it intensifying my relationship with God and with others, what happens is I detach it from the source. And that itself is being fueled by my success. If I wouldn't be successful, I wouldn't be able to develop this philosophy. I wouldn't be able to be such a chutzpinyak. I wouldn't be able to become so arrogant. But because God gave me the nilos, the nile, I could say it's mine. But he still gives it to me. Because So the very Eirin Seif, right? That's the hashpa that's coming in. And what is it used? It's used for the person saying, oh, it's mine. You know, they say there was a guy looking for a parking place. He had a very urgent appointment. It was in Manhattan. You know, go find parking in Manhattan, yeah? Even if you own the Nile River, you can't, the Nile Delta, you can't find parking in Manhattan. So uh, he makes a deal with God, and he says, God, I'm going to be making a lot of money. 50% goes to Tzedakah if you give me a parking place. A second later, a car goes out. A, he says, never mind, I found one on my own. <laughs> Never, never mind. I found one. I found one on my own. <laughs> my mother told me she once went for the summer to stroll with my family, including myself. I was a baby, a very little baby. So before she went, she went into the Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, before the summer, and she told the Rebbe the plans. She told my father told. So the Rebbe listened. He gave a blessing. He spoke to them. Whatever. Before they left, he looks at my mother and he says. The Ebrishtas al Mazmin Zainadira Gringa hate. You're gonna have to rent a house this. Hashem should help. You should be able to find the house easily. It should be easy to find the house. Okay. So she you find they go to Israel and they land, they they buy the baggage claim. So my mother is standing near a fellow waiting for a suitcase. Hi, how are you? Welcome. Where are you staying in Israel? My mother says, I don't know, we have to find a place. She says, Oh, I have a house to rent. And by the way, this is the early 70s. It has an air conditioner and it has a washing machine. In 1972, to get a washing machine and a telephone and an AC in Israel, yeah, was uh, even today some places, uh, it's hard to find. But there was like a chidish nifla. But he wanted high rent, whatever it was. So my mother's thinking to herself, it's so easy. Wow, by the baggage claim, somebody's offering you a house. This must be very easy. So she said, no, I'll, I'll, I want to do a little more research. <laughs> she told me, oh, it was a miserable summer. They couldn't find a place. They found a place. There was, <laughs> it was bahakt. There was nothing there, whatever. And then she realized that Ebba gave her a bracha right before she left. <laughs> that was the baggage claim. That was the first, you come to Israel, it was there. She didn't realize, understand? <laughs> it's a lesson in life, right? I have already my own parking place. This is, this is the temptation. The temptation is to detach. When you have a special moment of joy, don't detach, attach. Bring it back to the source. Don't, don't, don't say, oh, I could do it on my own. You've got a blessing. Bring it back to the relationship. Don't detach from the relationship. Remember the difference of Pare and Moshe. Moshe was helped by the Nilas. What did he do? He never struck the water again. Pari was helped by the Nilas. What did he do? Every morning he did what he did. <laughs> don't abuse me and don't use me. Connect to me. 
That's the difference. And then he says, one more nekut. This is when it comes to business. What about a yoshevayel, a ben teira, here everything is gewaldic. Lenin's teira, you're a steiger. Mam there is spiritual narcissism even in Taira. Now it's going to be a sharp stickle. This is also true in learning. Even though he's learning. And just like the businessman, he knows that it's Hashem's Taira. He made a bracha before. He made a bracha Satayra. Every morning we make a bracha Satayra. That means it's God's Torah. Because that a Efsher Chalila It's possible sometimes people use Torah and with the Kayach of Torah, he says something, Allah, that's opposite of Torah. If he would be an Amaret, he wouldn't be able to do that. But because God gave him a Bracha, the Nilus, so he uses Torah, he uses the Torah against itself. That's a marshal for Eden Saif. It's like in the world of business. The businessman also believes that there's a God. He says Baruch Hashem twice, ten times a day. But it's, it's, it's simple faith in the sense that it's a muna. It's a belief. But you don't go to the bank with it. But the foundation of the business is not built on that relationship. Ultimately, I'm not anchored in it. And therefore, the result can be that the person becomes crazy in business and they're doing things that are mamish, irrelevant to them, not consistent with who they are, not normal, because they lose it. They lose sight of who they are and who's blessing them. That's what happens. People, they... they Huh? You be- I become a shark. I become a shark. Or I become a... Like, you lose it. You become a workaholic. You're 18 hour People, they lose their marriages. They lose their kids. They lose sight. Why? Because you have a house. I also have to have this house. Bigger, right. But whatever it is in a person's life. Love that a house. It could be other things. The same happens in learning. He learns Torah. He knows it's Hashem's Torah. The foundation of the learning is missing something. What is it? He has a muna that is Hashem's Torah. But now when he's learning... He becomes consumed in the intellectual creativity. And he's, he loses touch with the fact that Torah is a lakus. It's ain't soif. It's edelkeit. It's godliness. So I could use my very mind and manipulate Torah and say that that's Torah. Why? Because I'm not in touch with the core of it. In the beginning when he starts learning, he has a muna that Hashem gave the Torah and it's Hashem's Torah. But Hashem wants you should understand. He doesn't just want you should read, you should understand. And then Seichel takes over. All there's left is my intellect. 
my brilliance, my ego. And with my intellect, people can use their minds in many different directions. I use the Torah itself to give a direction which is antithetical to the desire of the one who gave the Torah. So it starts off, it's Hashem's Torah. But suddenly my Seichel now gets involved, and now it's all about me. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm right. I'm a godl. I'm, I'm a genius. I'm brilliant. And you completely lose touch with the whole essence of Torah, which is really a, a, a channel for Ein Saif, a channel for, for oneness, for godliness, for more humility. Your Seichel is here to be able to be a conduit for transcendence. It's a, it's a whole different experience in Torah. I was once, uh, I was a bachis, I was, I went to a certain yeshiva, to, I wanted to go to the mikveh in the morning over there. They had a shul at a mikveh, so I went there. So it was a, it was a, it was a person learning with children. A gemara with Rashi. <laughs> he came from certain circles, I want to say where, because if you, from other places you wouldn't say this. So he, he reads to them the Rashi. He didn't understand the Rashi. And he says, Rashi lied! Rashi lied. <laughs> so I told I told somebody else. <laughs> this is where you see how somebody's off. Say I don't understand Rashi. <laughs> First of all, Rashi's brain was a little is a little better than your brain. I don't understand. What happens? What happens is it's like it's like the Torah belongs to me. I don't understand Rashi. Rashi lied. So this is where. The seichel takes over. It's not pure anymore. And now a person can already use the Torah itself against Torah. People use their mind, even not consciously, but it becomes convoluted. And you use the Torah itself. The Torah itself becomes a tool for that which is opposite Torah. And it's holy because it's camouflaged in Torah. That's all an example of Eirein Seif, Lamata Adin Tachlis. If I wouldn't have tight, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to be so, forgive me, so warped. <laughs> you understand? If I wouldn't have smicha, if I wouldn't have tight, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to, 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 to create such a disaster. But because I have the kayecha tayra, so it gives me this type of authority and arrogance and, and covet and wisdom and information and I could play games. It becomes very dangerous. That's like paray. In a different world. So what happens in business is an example in Torah. And he says, What's Pshat? The Gemara says that Torah is compared to a fig. What was the Eitz Hadas? So one opinion is it was a fig, it was a ta'ina. That's what Rajbi holds in Medrash Rabbah, Reb Nachman and Gemara, ta'ina. How could the Gemara in Erevin, Dafnun, Dalit say that Teresh is a fig when the fig was eight sadas, it was the forbidden fruit? How could you do that? It's, it's, it's wondrous. Before it came, but I am a heaven of the Teresh It says in Zoya, the Torah Shabbat is the tree that has toiv and rav, the eight sadas. But what does that mean? Rav 
It doesn't mean in Rayim Hemnin that the Torah itself is a tree of good and evil. It's Torah. you hear what he says, Azai. When you say Torah is compared to Eitz Hadas, a fig, it doesn't mean the Torah itself is a mixture of good and evil. It means as follows. Because the Torah deals with all the aspects of the world, it deals with good things, it deals with bad things, it deals with liars, with Ganovim, with Gazlonim, with Rotschim. Halacha deals with everything. And it deals with business and civil disputes and civil matters. Anything. And the Torah is mislabeshes. That's the conversation of Torah. And when I want to understand Torah, I have to use my intellect. I have to use my mind in order to be able to dissect, to understand, to discern. So what happens is, he says sometimes the intellectual experience can triumph and eclipse and prevail the spiritual experience. It starts off, it's Hashem's Torah. But I really have to use my mind and that sometimes takes over because I'm not anchored in the relationship. And you see, sometimes people with Torah, they, have a, they become uh, so arrogant. You can't even talk to them. And it becomes about not schonus. I'm going to win. And it's ego, ego, ego. And who's, who's smarter and who's better and who's getting more respect. And it affects even the way I think. It becomes a very, it becomes very unclean, very, very impure. Why? It's not rooted in ain't soif anymore. Ain't soif lamata adin tachlis. To the point of disconnect. It's still tighter. The Gemara says in Yumad Afayim Beis that if you're Zoycha, the Torah is a medicine of life. And if not, it's a Sam HaMovis, it's poison. So the Rebbe teaches here, Zocha doesn't mean Schus only. It comes from the word Zach. Shem and Zay is Zach. If you're Edel, Zocha, the Torah is Samcham, Loi Zocha. If you felt the Edelkeit in Torah, you don't see the Ain't in Torah, Nasa Loi Sam HaMovis. For the other person, it's medicine that saves a life. Not that the Torah is poison. For me, it becomes poison. Sometimes a piece of Torah for a certain person is poison. You know, somebody OCD learns too much Mishnah Brura, right? You know what I mean? No, no, I'm serious. If, if a person takes things in the wrong way, a beautiful thing becomes poison. You know, I know a person with Achilles Pras, Matzah, the Shia of Matzah, he was very OCD. He, he, he pushed it, he almost had cardiac arrest at the Seder because they went a minute later. I told him, it's fine, if some Saif is nine minutes, you're right. So it was also a good Jew. My point is, Loi Zacha, somebody doesn't have the Edelkeit, Nasa the Torah itself can become poisonous for the person because 
the way I'm accessing it and interpreting it and what I'm doing with it is anything but Chaim. That's the Pshad, it's a fig. That's what Eitzadas is. Eitzadas means something that if you don't, you're not anchored in Ein Saif, it could become a source for dysfunctionality. Eitzadas toiv vira. Like intimacy. Das is intimacy. Hadam yada is chava. Intimacy can be either the greatest source of closeness or create the greatest heartache and challenges. Depends what it's rooted in. Zachar loy zachar. If you're edel or you're not edel. So he says, this is the danger of where in Taita, in a person's avayda, you have this concept. If you wouldn't have this gift, you wouldn't be able to abuse it. That's why when somebody uses Taita for hatred, for machloikas, for exploiting people, for protecting abusers, it's worse than somebody not using Taita. You know what I mean? The people that turn off innocent people most are people with spiritual authority and wisdom. Because you're supposed to be a representation of truth. Malif, you a poet, a peasant, okay. But when you have somebody that they use the Torah and they use the knowledge of Torah and the wisdom of Torah and it becomes a source for negativity in any form or fashion, it becomes so disheartening for people, it turns more people off than anything else. Why? Because it's a divine gift that you're using to create a chilal hasha. When you use religion, when you use religion to justify evil, it's the worst. Verstandek? Huh? You can see how people get so disgusted from it. Like, throw out your Torah. What's, 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 what's that start shining? They say in Pshischa, there was a parush. A parush. He didn't talk to anybody. He, was, he would sit on an attic and learn. But once a week, Friday, after the mikveh, he would come out. He would sit near the mikveh on a box. And everybody would go... That, would go uh, would go by and give him shalom and, and give him shalom and and uh, it was like a whole a whole scene. <laughs> so they say it's a very sharp. So Rishkel said, "Take away the box one week. <laughs> Don't let him sit down." And the guy, uh, is from the mikveh and he's waiting, you know, for the whole parade and, uh, <laughs> the kids took away the box and he lost it and he left everything. So said, was for this Friday afternoon, uh, for this Friday afternoon parade. There was nothing there. Talk about narcissism. You understand? There was another story they say. Also, it was a, he had a big gun. He would learn and learn and learn. And then one day, it was after many years, he said, he started to speak, he said, about some big tzaddik. He started to speak very negatively about him. So, Chabinim said that, Gilad and Zibit Sikyar, Hara. He learned 70 years they should believe his Lashon Hara. What he was trying to say is, not that he necessarily made a conscious chesh, but he was trying to say there was something poisonous about his learning. There was something poisonous about it. That's it. You have to know that. And that's what the Gemara says in Yuma Dafayim Beis. Lois Zoch, if you're not Oiz Geidelt, Nasa Lois Sam HaMavis. 
the Torah by me becomes poison. It's very sharp stuff because it's holy Torah. It's Hashem's Torah. Yet, this fig could become an Eitzadas Torah. Why? Because the way you're processing it is God gets hidden and your Seichel and ego takes over. You need Seichel to learn. So you need an ego. I have to, right? Toysvus argued with Rashi, yeah? Toysvus argued with Rashi. The Ramban argued with the Ramban. Rambam, that's ego? Mefarshim argued. They're always, they're fighting with each other. I have to use my mind. I can't say, Rashi said it, I believe you. That's not how you learn. I believe you. I, I, I know, I believe Rashi. I know he knows what he's saying, but I want to understand. So you have to use your ego. That's where the danger, if you didn't have to use your ego, man, but you have to use your mind. Mind is, I'm using myself. But the foundation has to be that it's Eidin Saif. It's with a bitl. You want your mind to be a conduit for Taira. All you're looking for is truth. The moment I'm not looking for truth anymore, I'm looking to be right. Now you're a dangerous person. This is Padai. That's what he says. You're given the gift of the Nilas, in this case Taira, and the river suddenly becomes yours. Instead of it making you more humble, the river becomes yours. And he finishes the last chapter. We'll finish in a moment. This is all because the Ur comes through many tzimtzumim and helemis and estadim, which is what teva means. The word teva comes from the word tubu v'yamsuf. Today's parsha tubu v'yamsuf means something is drowned in the yamsuf. He says, "I made it the kavod." What's that teva? Nature. Why is it called nature? Because the Eidein Saif is drowned. When someone drowns Chas V'Shalem, they're submerged in the water. You don't see them. Tubu V'yamsuf. Teva means that the Eidein Saif is tubu. It's all there, but it's embedded. It's submerged inside the water. So you don't see what's inside. You just see water. That's Pshat Teva. You understand? So Teva is really a lakus. So why is it called Teva? Because it's Tubu And this is what he continues in the next Sif in Basil Lagana Yudalit. So this is the summation. That even in the lowest levels, the Oirin Saif is fully present. This is the most important line of the month. And because of this, we have the reality, nothing and nobody will get lost. Why will nothing and nobody get lost? Because it's Eirin Saif. Because even now it's not lost. You just have to reveal that it's connected. So nobody and nothing will forever be lost. Because even now it's not lost. means nothing will be an outcast forever. Everything has a tikkun. Everything can be repaired. So after explaining Lamata, he'll continue to speak about the opposite. And these are the treasures that Hashem, the king, gives to fight the war to all the tzivis Hashem. The oitzris, which are Lamata, and Lamata, and Lamata, 
The main treasures are not given to the generals, they're given to the foot soldiers. The generals may give it, but they're not the ones who fight. It's the boots on the ground. To take the lie of the world and the shtus, the insanity of the world, and turn it into sheker, into keresh, and shtus into atzei shittim. You just have to reconfigure it. Now think what reconfiguration is. When you take sheker, you're not eliminating the letters. You're just changing the order. Sheker into keresh. That's the whole nekuda. If Eirin Seif would not be Lamata Adin Tachlis, you got to get rid of the lie. But because the lie itself is Eirin Seif, so what do you have to do? You have to reconfigure it. You have to turn Keresh, Sheker into Keresh, Shtus into Atzei Shittim. You're not eliminating it. You're, 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 you're aligning it. You're harnessing it. You're redirecting it. You're taking, you're just changing the letters. In today's technology, it's called Cut and paste. Sheker, right? So take the shin, put it at the end. <laughs> take the kuf, put it in the beginning. Take the reif, put it in the middle. In other words, the job of the Jew, you don't have to recreate the document. You just need a good editor. Spell check. You need a good editor. That's what we need. We need editors. Take the text, take the letters, rearrange the tziruf. That's the whole nekuda. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You have to, you, the, all the world needs is a good copy editor. Because the whole world is Hashem's tzirufim. It's all God's letters. But because the Jews weren't Rishanas, they're ashamed. They yeah. Shamed the yeah. No change. Yeah. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. If it's a good tziruf, you want to leave it. If it's a beautiful world, word, leave it. <laughs> But that's that's a very deep idea because if it's all made up of letters, so you need to tra- change the sequence. That's what it is, and then the whole letter, the word becomes a different word. Instead of being a lie, it becomes a beam. Instead of being a shtus, it becomes atzei shitim. And that builds the base of Mikdash. By using the treasures that were squandered in order to fulfill the mission of being victorious in the war. The Tachlis of the Avaidah, the purpose is fulfilled. Building within each person a base of Mikdash. Through the avoid of everybody, you create that there should be the Just like when Bossi Lagani Hashem says, I came back to my garden. The Shekhinah came back down, as he said in the beginning of the Maimer. So this becomes the beginning, the, the beginning of the avoid throughout the generations. This shall be the same with Sheikh Hamz of Mamash speedily, Mamash in our days. That what? That the Iker Shechina, the divine full light, is completely manifested in our world, with full alignment and unity. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.